Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. excited about the message this weekend, uh, mostly because I don't really know what God wants me to speak on. The message is so broad, we could go in any direction. Um, and so I've been honored to think, I, I love speaking to women. I love talking about purpose. Um, if you read anything uh, about my website, if you read any of my books, you'll see that my mantra is enforcing purpose. And um, I think purpose is so incredibly important. I had a conversation today. You'll get to hear a lot about uh, my life because I, I usually talk kind of in stories and I share stories about real life realities um, because otherwise it's just no good if it doesn't mean anything to us, right? Um, and so I was talking today to one of my clients. I'm a a biblical counselor and a brain health coach and whatever, professional life coach. But the reality is I love to sit down and talk to people. And I love to hear what is in your heart and where are you going and, and where is God taking you? And, and what I find is most of the time is that uh, women, men are having a hard time not just getting to where they want to be, but they don't know where they want to be. And they have a hard time knowing what is my purpose? Do you think I have a purpose? People ask me that all the time. So I, I began to share with this lady today, and, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and kind of, I said, this, this is my belief. So when I say this is what I believe, that means I wouldn't typically preach it from a pulpit, but I'm going to say it right now. Here's what I believe. I believe that before God created you, he had a purpose in mind. Okay? He had a purpose in mind and he needed flesh to manifest that purpose. And that's where you came into play. See, that was the case with Jesus. God had a purpose. He had a plan. And he wrapped that plan up in flesh in the name of Jesus, and he sent it to the earth to manifest the purpose and the plan. So let it be said tonight that each one of us here tonight, were it not for an intentional, and I'm going to say intentional plan, or an intentional purpose, you would not be here. So in case you're questioning, what is my life all about? Do you think I have a purpose? Do I have value here on earth? Does my life carry worth? The answer is 100% yes. Because if that were not the case, you would not be here. You would not be here. And God not only wrapped you around this purpose, but he designed you Come on. He designed you with that purpose and that plan in mind. Meaning you, for such a time as this, have been perfectly designed all along with that purpose in mind. Meaning you are equipped. Sometimes we finally discover what our purpose is and we think, who, me? I question that all the time. You know, it's a scary thing When God prophesies to you about you. 
and, and thank God he doesn't do that too often because it kind of freaks you out when you get a glimpse of, of something. And then you, you get like, is that my imagination? Is that, you know, and God's like, yes, because your imagination is my writing tablet. And so I speak to you through your imagination. And so God has a purpose and a plan in mind. And what I love to do is to come along and teach people how to enforce that purpose in their lives. I was talking to Kyler today and I said, I love going and listening to really good inspirational speakers. And can I be honest with you? I can be a really inspirational speaker, but if you don't walk out of here somewhat equipped, then I have failed because I want to do more than just excite you, inspire you. I want to equip you and empower you. So tonight we're going to kind of open up Pandora's box, for lack of a better term, and discover the possibilities and be reminded of the foundation, things that have already been set long before time within each one of us. And then tomorrow we're going to be talking about what does that look like and what's keeping me from those places. We're going to get real practical tomorrow, ladies, and talking about the things that keep us from coming into our fullest potential. Now I will start on my notes. After I share with you what the Lord spoke during worship. This was so great. And I think it's very apropos. Okay, uh, so I'm in John chapter 1. And the Lord spoke this to me as, as uh, uh, you guys were leading worship. And I thought it was so beautiful and so perfect to kind of set the tone tonight. Um, and I'm in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. It says, the very next day, John was there again with his two, two of his disciples. As Jesus was walking right past them, John, gazing upon them, pointed to Jesus and said, Look, there's God's lamb. And as soon as John's two disciples heard this, they immediately left John and began to follow a short distance behind Jesus. Now, I love this picture. I love scripture because it's so fun. So here we have, um, you know, John and his disciples walking and they see Jesus and John points him out. They, uh, they're like, forget you, John, we're, we're following after him. So I kind of get this picture of Jesus kind of just chilling, just walking around like strutting his anointing, you know, and he's like walking around and these guys are like this. <laughs> kind of following up behind him. Like we we're going to follow him. And so, and obviously scripture doesn't say that. That's just kind of how I picture it. But it says, now this is what's cool about it. Then Jesus turned around and saw that they were following him. Some versions say Jesus knowing they were following him. Meaning he knew that there was people seeking and searching. And it goes on and he says to them, what do you want? And we just let that question resonate for a moment. What do you want? Because you coming here tonight is kind of like doing this. Jesus is in the house and I'm going to go see what's going on. And I want you to hear the voice of the Lord turning and looking at you and responding specifically to you and saying, what do you want? And they responded, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus answered, I love this. Come and discover for yourselves. Come and discover for yourselves. So they went with him and saw where he was. And since it was late in the afternoon, they spent the entire rest of the day with Jesus. 
But think about that phrase, come and discover. And I think I, I, I preached last week at a church, and the, the title was called, If You Were Living a Lie, Would You Want to Know? And we talked about how our knowledge often keeps us from learning. It can become our biggest barrier in learning or receiving something new because there's a knowledge that I already think I know that I already have, and I don't know what I don't know. And it was based on the whole passage where Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And they responded and said, we're, we're, we're the sons of Abraham. When have we ever been in captivity? And, and here's what I want you to hear me saying is there was a story that they had lived their entire lives. We call it your system and your experience. And their system and their experience, the story that they had lived was their reality. And they assumed their reality was their truth. And what I want you to know that there, all of you came in here living a story. All of you came in here with realities in life. But your realities do not always equal truth. And when you begin to realize it's possible that the reality that I have accepted and I have settled in could potentially be a lie, that's when chains are broken. That's when veils are lifted. That's when scales fall off the eyes. To think to myself, I could potentially be 72 years old. And I've already settled in the theme of my life. But what if it's a lie? What if there's something more? And I can promise you there's something more. Because there's always something more. So this weekend I was asked to talk about, uh, in fact I quoted you. Women arising to be who God called them to be, letting go of their past and other things that hold them down, and learning to see themselves the way God sees them. Did I get it right? Because I just literally copied and pasted. Okay, so, so I love this whole idea, and one of the reasons why it's so challenging to me is we could go in a million different directions, right? Because talking about identity, and how many of you are like, oh, we're going to talk about our identity again? You know, and because we're always talking about our God identity and our, our identity in Christ and, and our, and to the point where I'm afraid that sometimes we think the knowledge that we have of what our identity looks like keeps us from learning what our identity really could look like. And I think if we were honest A lot of us, if I said, what does it mean to you to have a God identity or to be created in the identity of Christ? We would all kind of maybe have a little bit of answer. And then I might say, but what does it mean for you? What does it look like to you? Not to just have a knowledge of a God identity, but what does it look like when you're with your children or when you're in conflict or when you're feeling insecure Or when you're anxious or you're waking up in the middle of the night with a panic anxiety attack. Come on. 
We're talking about real life stuff. What is the knowledge that I had given to me on Sunday have to do with me in the middle of the night when darkness is surrounding me? Because if I don't know how to take that knowledge and somehow pull it into my reality, making truth my reality instead of letting my reality be my truth, come on, because there's a difference here. So many of us have allowed our reality to define our truth instead of saying there's a truth that trumps my reality and gets to define my reality. And God has given me, you, the authority to design and negate and and declare that reality in any moment. And that's, so again, a lot of this is knowledge that we have and we're getting excited, but you're going to get equipped this week. We're going to talk about how do I do that? Because that's what I see in the counseling room. I say, I want you to pray through the scripture. Okay. Do you know what that means? Not really. Okay. Let me demonstrate it. And they'll be like, so you see what I did there and I'll, I'll demonstrate for them. And I'll say, okay, now I want you to do it. And so we practice. What does it look like to declare truth in my life? I want you to take that truth and I want you to declare it. Okay. Do you know what that means? Not really. I'm just telling you what I see. And, 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 and 90 to 95% of the people that I counsel on a daily basis were raised up in church. Okay. So I'm not saying this because to shame anybody or condemn anybody, I'm saying it to potentially expose. Maybe you don't know what you don't know. Maybe what you think, you know, is keeping you from knowing more. And so I want you to know more. And when I say no, I'm talking about the biblical form of no. Not like, eh, yeah, I know you. You know, we've emailed a couple of times and we've had some, I don't really know you. Can we just be honest? We're acquainted with one another, but I don't know you. If you and I wanted to get to know each other, we would exchange phone numbers. We would probably go to coffee. We would start to talk. And at some point we might get a little intimate in our conversations and actually be a little vulnerable so we could connect on a deeper level. But that's what it takes for me to know somebody. And sometimes I fear that we're simply acquainted with God. We don't exchange text with him on a regular basis. We're not Snapchatting ourselves to him all day long. And we're not totally intimate at a vulnerable level at the deepest point of connection with God. Y'all, this is nowhere in, I told you, I told you, didn't I tell you? I said, I, I don't have any, every time, listen to me, every time I sat down to write this message, I would go to a verse and then I would end up I was telling you, I was like, I would end up reading past the scripture for like an hour. And I'd be like, I need to write a message. And the Lord was like, I'm working on it. Be quiet. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. But I love the theme arise. Why? Because it's more than having a knowledge, but it's the idea of activating that knowledge, rising up in that knowledge, being a display of that knowledge, manifesting that knowledge. Any one of us in here, if I started saying, tell me who God is, you would start shouting out characteristics of God. I know you would. And it's not that that's wrong, but what does that mean to you? What does it mean? Can I tell you? 
When I say that God is a comforter in a time of sorrow, I have a knowledge that God is a comforter in a time of sorrow. I have walked with people. I have seen them come to know God, that to become their reality when they've walked through sorrow, but I personally have never walked through sorrow. So for now, I have a knowledge, I have a faith, I have an expectation, but I have never experienced him as a comforter in a time of sorrow. See, we're talking about not just having a knowledge, but having an experience. Saying, this is mine. I love the story in John chapter 9, the, the man who was blind. Because he has an experience. Listen to me, he never sees the man. He never sees him. He's blind. Jesus comes up. All he hears is... Which, by the way, was a sign of a curse. In case you did not know that in the culture, they would spit on blind people to say, we agree with God that you must be cursed because you were born blind. God used the very sound, a trigger of a wound to heal him. Come on. He's intentional in what he does. Because when you're blind, your, your hearing is very sensitive So yet one more person comes walking up to him and all he hears is, and immediately think about triggers in your life immediately. And Jesus opens up his greatest point of hurt and meets him right in that place to heal him. He never sees him. He spits in the mud, puts mud on his eyes, gives him an action item, right? Because we're called to partner with God in the manifestation of our healing. It's part of the message tomorrow, okay? He says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He goes and he washes and he's healed. And all the Pharisees and Sadducees begin to question him. Who healed you? Where was the man? Who was the man? Where did he come from? Where did he go? How did this happen? All kinds of question, intellectually wanting to gain an understanding of what had happened. You can't intellectually wrap your brain around the supernatural. And here's what's great about it is the man didn't have an answer. All he had was his own experience. I don't know. All I know is I once was blind and now I see. I don't know. He went, they went and they asked the, the parents and the parents said, we don't know. Go ask him. They went back to him. I don't know. All I know is I once was blind And now I see, and I'm sharing this story with you because many of us have information, knowledge. We can explain God. We've been to seminary and back. We can tell you every Bible story, but we don't have the experience. We've never experienced him for ourselves. And I'm not talking about experiencing him in church. I'm talking about experiencing him when you're in the middle of wanting to divorce your husband. I'm talking about experiencing him when you feel like you're about to punch your mother-in-law in the face. Come on, I'm just keeping it real. Because we all, but the reality is we face these things. And if we can't experience God in those things, then what good is it? If all I ever do is experience God in this building... In this spot on Sunday morning, what good is it? What good is it? 
We've got to be able to say, what does this mean tomorrow? What does this mean on Tuesday when I got to work with my coworker that snaps her gum all day long? But that's just it. It's like, come on, there's real things that we're facing on a regular basis. And if we can't experience Jesus in those moments, then what good is it? So I want us to think about this weekend, considering that there is more for each one of us. Consider that your current experience, maybe you have experienced, your current knowledge, your current understanding is just a tip of the iceberg. Let's just pretend, although I believe that's biblical, that no matter how much I've experienced of God, there's so much more to have. There's so much more to experience. There's so much more to know. There's so much more to be. I'm not even talking about things we're going to do. I'm talking about who we're going to be. Because if you walk out of this weekend saying, here's all the things I need to do, then I have failed you. Because we're going to walk out this weekend saying, this is who I am. This is what I be. And therefore, this is what I'm going to do. Right, we're going to start on the inside. We're not going to talk about the outside a whole lot. We're going to talk about the inside. But I want you to think about there more, more for you. Mostly that you are worth more no matter what. I want you to shake off the dust of whatever you drug into this auditorium. I believe our worship did that. It just literally rumbled it all off of us, right? So anything you drug in and that your, listen, that your righteousness has nothing to do with what you have done. I want you to just remember right now that your righteousness in Christ has everything to do with what he has done. Okay, so even right now, I want you to just quiet your heart in your your mind for a minute. And I want you to shift your mind into the alignment with the truth that says, I am righteous. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old is gone and the new is here. You notice I didn't say it's coming. It's done. It's here. It's now. Old has passed away and the new has come. I want us to embrace that, take a hold of it. Because this weekend is about stepping deeper into that new But I think it's super important that you understand that that new isn't something that is yet to be determined. It's something that was established before the foundation of the earth. It is done. Your purpose is established. All the days ordained for you are written in a book. I'd say that sometimes to my teen kids that I'm, that I'm counseling. I do have a lot of teenagers who aren't raised up in a Christian home, which can be very interesting and fun. And transforming. Um, but I love, they, they're like, wait, what? And I'll say, okay, let's, this is your, this is a book. And you haven't read the whole book. I've read the book. So I could sit here and tell you the whole story. I could tell you what the last chapter's about, chapter nine's all about, because I've read the book. In fact, here's a book I've written. I can tell you everything that I've written in this book because I wrote it. 
Okay. You don't know it because you haven't read it. You haven't experienced the book yet, but the book is the fact that you haven't read the book or experienced the book. Does that make the book not non-existent? See there, there's a book that's already been written from front to back. And just because you haven't read it from front to back, experienced it from front to back does not mean it does not exist. Okay, that's your reality. The reality is you haven't experienced it all, but truth says it's already established. Come on now, there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom in that. I like to tell my clients that I think the Holy Spirit's, you know when we go to those uh, little uh, carnivals and those uh, old-timer cars and there's the rail in the middle, you know? And the kids are like, look at me, I'm turning to the left. And the the car's like, "Eh, eh, eh," you know, hitting the rail. That's kind of like the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, we're just kind of like recklessly turning to the right, turning to the left. And the Lord's like, look at this little rail that just kind of keeps yanking us back onto the path. You know, and I love it. It's like, it's like the bumpers in the, in the, uh, bowling alley, you know, that kind of keeps us on the lane. And sometimes we, we hit all the pins. Sometimes we only hit one, but Holy Spirit's my bumper. He at least keeps me on the lane. (laughs) And so that's what it means when it says all the days written for you are already, are ordained for you are already written in a book. It's already established. It's done. And upon the cross It came rushing into you, new, brand new. So let's take a look at the key verse. I love the key verse. You guys said, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Super inspiring verse. The invitation that we're given to call, it's a call to action. So anytime I'm reading scriptures, remember, I'm going to teach you guys while I'm, I'm speaking to you tonight. Okay. So I'm going to teach you while I preach to you. Okay. So anytime I'm reading scripture, God isn't just giving me information. I mean, typically he's, there's an invitation or a call to action, a call to partner with him. So when I come to scripture, I should have, I tell people, if you want to go to lunch with me, Because a lot of people are like, can I just have maybe a 30-minute lunch? I just really wanted to mentor me. If you don't show up with a piece of paper and a pen, chances are I'm going to know you're not really serious. Okay? And so when I'm meeting with a mentor or when I wait for six months to meet with somebody that I'm dying to really just glean off of, you bet your bottom dollar I'm going to show up with a piece of paper and a pencil. I say this all the time when I call Liz into my office, she's my personal assistant. She shows up with a piece of paper and a pencil because she knows I'm going to give her. I'm not going to just give her information that I've called her in there for a purpose. And God is speaking to us. There's a call to action. So if you don't even just in your mind mentally have kind of a piece of paper expecting that God's going to give me a a directive. When I say a directive, I'm not talking about a demand or a command. I'm, I'm talking about an invitation to be a part of designing your life. Okay. A lot of us are being designed by life. We're being navigated by life. We call that being wagged by the dog. When God says what? You're the head always, never the tail. Above only, never beneath. Okay? So I'm living a reality. So people are like, but you don't understand. But you don't understand. No, it really is. I really am. Like my life is really spinning out of control. Yes, that is your reality. 
because you are being navigated by life instead of stepping into the authority that God has given to you to navigate your life. You're being navigated by your schedule. You're being navigated by your, your children. Come on. You're being navigated by your diet. You're being navigated by your health. You're even navigated by your sore knee. You've decided tonight that you're not going to get up and go for a walk tomorrow because your knee hurt today. That doesn't make any sense to me. We've become victims is what we call that victim mentality. We're talking about the authority that we have to navigate, to design life. My husband and I pick a word every year and our word this year is design. Design the life you want to live. Design the life you want to live. Be a part. Listen to the Lord. You know, the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of any man. All that God has prepared for him except by the Holy Spirit. Meaning, my eye does see. My ear does hear. It has entered into my heart. My mind does perceive all that God has prepared for me because of the Holy Spirit. And when I partner with God and he tells me to do this, I get to be a part of designing my life, navigating it. And, and I'm not going to be a, a be navigated or driven by my ministry, but I'm going to drive my ministry. That's, that's a danger we run into when we experience explosion of population and the infrastructure hasn't grown at the same pace. That's what a city experiences, right? And sometimes our ministries, and what happens, a lot of times people are like, I'm a very dream-driven person. That's not good. We're designed to drive our dreams, not be driven by our dreams. Uh, Some people say, I'm very ministry-driven. That's not good. You shouldn't be driven by your ministry. And it's hard not to be driven by your ministry. It's hard not to be sucked in. It's hard to put up those boundaries when people go, Oh, I thought you were supposed to be taking any homeless person any time. How come you don't have an emergency number? I hear it all the time. But there's a lane that God has given to us, and that lane is excellent. And when I try and step into another lane, I don't do it very well. In fact, we do it very poorly. So I've just learned to tell people, this is what we do well and excellently. And what we don't do well, how come you don't take people who are addicted to drugs? Because we suck at it. We tried it and we failed. And so then we tried again and we failed again. And so then I decided that's not my lane. And I'm okay saying that. All right? So... <laughs> Listen, I want us to look at this verse. So I know I want to jump right to arise. I want to jump right to arise. I want to jump right to arise. But we're going to talk about arise tomorrow. Tonight we're going to talk about why. Why should we arise and shine? What's my why? I told you I'm a life coach. I give people assignments every week and I'll say, why do you think this is important? And they'll be like, oh. If they say, I don't know, I haven't done my job. Why would you, do you think this assignment is important and viable to where you're going? Yes. Tell me why. Well, because if I want to overcome X, Y, Z, then I need to X, Y, Z. Great. So you understand why you're doing this. Yes. Okay. Next week, when you show up and you have accomplished this, tell me how you're going to feel about your accomplishment. So we're already going to celebrate today because I'm already expecting that they're going to do it. Okay. So I'm stirring up their why that everybody's good at setting goals. We're all good at setting goals. How many of you set New Year's resolutions? Nobody. Okay, well, well done, church. I'm saying that truly. 
But a lot of people are really, really good at setting goals. We've become a goal-setting country, a goal-setting culture. But we're really, really bad at following through on our goals. And then we stop setting goals because they make us feel like a failure, right? And your goals, just so you know, your goals are to free you, not to captivate you. So sometimes we set goals and we become enslaved to them. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother day on the life coaching side. But listen, the why behind everything is so important because if we understand the why is where we get our motive. The why is what drives us. So when we think of the idea of arising and shining somewhere in that invitation, there is a need for confidence in who I am, what I am called to. We're talking about the confidence in our God identity. Okay, because if I was confident, listen to me, if I was really confident in who I am and what God has called me to, it would be no problem. I'd be rising and shining all day long. You wouldn't be able to shut me up. You put a mic in my mouth and you can't get me quiet. You'll know that around midnight tonight. That's, I'm just kidding. But the reality is when there's an area in your sweet spot and you're confident in it and you know that this is where God has had you, you have no problem rising up. You probably have no problem taking this platform every Sunday to sing. But you've had to come into that confidence as you recognize this is who I am. This is my call. This is where my sweetest spot in the spirit is. Understanding who we are, the power that we have, the identity that we've been given, when we are totally confident in that, we will have no problem arising. I tell people all the time, do you believe in the power of prayer? Oh, yes. How often do you pray? We have information, but we don't walk in experience. See? And if I have an understanding of why I should arise and shine, maybe I'll be more likely to rise up and shine and say, look at what God is doing. You know, the the church has been really good at telling us to sit back down in the boat because it's too haughty or prideful to be too confident in what God is doing in our lives. We have gotten sometimes to where we no longer know how to accept a compliment because we're afraid that people are going to think we're arrogant because we're too confident in our God abilities and the giftings that God has given to us. It took me a long time to be when people say, oh my gosh, I've read your book. It's so amazing. It took me a very long time to say, thank you. I'm actually extremely delighted in how God anointed me to write that book. I've got to give glory to God for that. I think in our attempt to stay humble, sometimes we humiliate the anointings of God. I'm going to say that again. I think sometimes in our attempt to stay humble or to act humble, we actually end up humiliating the anointing and the gifts of God. Instead of saying, yes, man, I really felt the presence of the Lord on me. I really felt God moving. Yes, I remember when God breathed that paragraph into me. And really recognizing what God is doing. So it goes on and it says, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Listen to the tense in that passage. We're talking about the present tense. Again, it is something that is done. It is finished. It is established. This is not something we are waiting for. 
It's not something we're working for. It's not something we're hoping for. It is done. It is established. There is a light that has come. There is a glory that is upon you. There is a light that has come. I'm not talking about in this room. I'm talking about in you. I'm not talking about on your neighbor. I'm talking about on you. There is a light that has come and a glory that is upon you. It is done. This is why if I really, really, really believed that, if I was really experiencing that, you wouldn't be able to sit us down. We would be rising up and beaming the presence of God because there would be such a confidence that the light of God is upon me and his glory is upon me. And again, we have this knowledge and it's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Some of us need to know that there are some things that are already established. Much, many of us spend much of our lives battling for our identity instead of because of our identity. I know we, we talk about battling from our identity, but how about because, because this is who I am. That's why I'm battling, because this is my right as a child of God. This is the right that's been given to me. Do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to a child of God. Listen, sometimes I think we get more arrogant and confident in our position in the world than we do. I'm a, I'm a, can I just be honest with you? Can I just be honest with you and tell you I did this this week? I got a kind of a nasty email from somebody who's actually a member of an organization that I'm on the executive board for, not knowing that I'm on the executive board. And I immediately thought, this person clearly doesn't know who I am. The Holy Spirit immediately was like, really? (laughs) I'm just being honest with you. But in that same, the Lord was like, how come you don't speak to the devil like that? Because he's been writing you some nasty letters too. You've been curling up like a little ball in your bed and saying, do you know who I am? Come on. You're more arrogant and more confident in your earthly position than you are in your heavenly position. You know what, devil? Do you know who I am? Do you know whose I am? Do you know where I am positioned? I am high upon the heights, seated in the heavenlies, and you are fine dust beneath my feet. Back off. Shut your mouth. I'm going to email you back. Oh, here's what I got to say. I'm going to throw you the word of God. I'm telling you, sometimes we are more confident and more arrogant and more haughty. It's time for us to be haughty in our position in Christ. Mm. And can I say it's more hot? It's it's time for us to be a little more haughty as women in Christ. I'm going to say it, but I'm telling you, it's an experience It's a truth that God wants to give each one of us that we would come into the fullness of our God ability, having a confidence in who we are, being confident in this. Who knows the rest of that verse? He who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion. How many of you know he who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion? How many of you know that it actually starts with being confident in this. Be confident. If we were confident that God started something, 
in us, through us, we would have no problem arising and shining. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the, uh, not of the will, not of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We're talking about having the power to practice the authority or the authority to practice the power. I'm not talking about having power. I'm talking about having the authority. Do you know who I am? I'm a child of God. I don't just have power, but I have authority to practice the power. But the reality is, this is talking about we've been given the right. In the Greek there, that means the exousia right, meaning the authority. And he's saying, and this right was not given to you by the blood, meaning physical blood. It was not given to you by the will of your flesh, meaning I can't will it into being. Okay. I can't work my way in there. Meaning it didn't come by the will of man, but it comes from God. But many of us have limited our rights because of genetics, the blood, our physical blood. When I say I'm talking about your physical blood, or we've limited our rights because of our past. Or we've limited our rights because of our flesh. But he's saying here, you have a right to arise and shine, not because of your past, not because of your genetics, not because of your heritage, not because of your good works, not because you were born in a Baptist church, a Christian church, a Holy Spirit church, an AG church. I don't care what church you're born in. Your right doesn't come from a doctrine. Your right comes from a person and that person has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. And he says, as many have received him to them, he gave the right, meaning I have the right to say, do you know who I am? Depression. Do you know who I am? Come on, anger, do you know who I am? Come on now, anxiety, who are you to talk to me like that? Do you know who I am? Flesh, you're foul. Knee, that hurts, I don't like you. Do you know who I am? Do you know the right that I have? My right doesn't come from my past. In fact, my past tells me I don't have the right because I did this, 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 this. That's not what gives me the right. Even the good things that I have done is not what gives me the right. It's not my failures of my past. It's not the successes of my past. It's not of any will of man. It's only because of a person that I have the right to say, do you know who I am? It's time for us to rise up because we know who we are and we know we have the right to say, I'm standing up. I'm taking a stand and I have the right to take a stand. We're talking about the light that has come. Being a child of God has dropped the rights of the kingdom into our lives. Some of us need to remember who we are and the authority that we have. Do you know who I am? Come on. The glory. Talking about the glory of the Lord. 
the very person of God, the very nature of God, being upon us. We're talking about the combination of the light being illuminated. You know, light isn't just something that illuminates. It reveals. Because if we turn all the lights down in here, everything in this room would still be existent. But we can't see it. So we don't know it. We can't, we'll bump into it. We might experience it by accident. But we have no ability to navigate because we cannot see. I love the message says, get out of bed, Jerusalem. Wake up. Wake up and put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen upon you. Listen, the light here denotes the idea of a break of day. It includes the idea of illumination or revelation, something that has been revealed. We know in Colossians, it says that God has picked us up from the power of darkness and he has conveyed us, translated us into the kingdom of light in a moment. Just like in the, in Genesis, in the creation story, the Bible says that the, the earth was dark. It was formless. It was void. It was empty. It was without shape. Okay, so we're not just talking, darkness isn't just the absence of light. It's the absence of shape or form. It's void. Come on now, I'm speaking to some of our lives. Because the light of God that has come has shattered places in your life that feel formless, that seem empty, that seem void. But God says the light has come. And when we step into that light, put our face into the light of God, suddenly all of the things that were in the dark but were existent become revealed. They are illuminated to us and we begin to see. But the enemy wants you to be like Lazarus who raises from the dead but has burial claws. Remember the Bible says he had burial claws across his eyes, his hands and his feet. And so he walked around mumbling and fumbling. Beautiful story about discipleship because then he looks at the disciples and says, now you set them free. That's our job as disciples in Christ. People are mumbling and fumbling, walking around in the dark. But listen to me, just because there are dark places in your life does not negate the fact that there is light. The light has come. Again, your darkness might be your reality, but it is not your truth. And when you begin to claim truth over your reality, you have the power and the authority to pull that truth into your reality. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the woman woman with the issue of blood did. She said, there's a truth right there that says healing, and there's a reality in my body that says sickness. Two totally different choices right here. I can choose to say that the reality that I'm living is my truth. Sorry, Jesus. Come on now, that's what we do. That's what we do. Instead of saying, there's a truth that's going to trump my reality if I have the unction and the authority to say, excuse me, excuse me, crowd, excuse me, crowd, do you know who I am? Excuse me while I press in and push you back so I can touch the hem. I'm telling you, we've got to get some unction. I almost said something else. 
We've got to get some unction and we've got, (laughs) we've got to know the rights that we have. Listen, there is a, but God in every darkness, in every brokenness, in every void from the beginning of time, God's been speaking light into darkness. And until God says, let there not be light, there will be light. You, nobody can reverse the word of God. Nobody can reverse the word of God. So if you're experiencing darkness in your life, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to empower you and tell you that God says there is light. I spoke light. Come into the light. Put your face in the light and illuminate what the enemy has been hiding. It's there. It has already come. But see, the enemy wants us to stay in the dark so that we're sitting in the boat and not getting up, rising up and walking where nobody else will walk. That's what, that's what the enemy wants. But God says, I tell people all the time, my people in my office will be like, but you don't understand, but you don't understand. I'm at home with three kids and they, no, first of all, I have six children. So I do understand, but even if I didn't, God does. And here's what I'm going to say. God's butt is always going to be bigger than your butt. He's got a big butt. It's a big wide, butt. he's got a big booty and he is going to use it. And you've got to learn that his butt is bigger than your butt. It doesn't matter what butt you come up with. He's going to have a butt that trumps your butt, but he has got a big butt always, but God, but God, when we come in to the sound of his voice, things are illuminated. The light breaks through the darkness. Do you know what breakthrough means? Do you want to, do you know what the definition of breakthrough is? How many of you get my podcast? Anybody? I do have a podcast. Let me do an advertisement. I'm just kidding. I have a podcast and I did a series, a three-part series called Joy Comes in the Morning. And one of the, I think it was the second one that's all about breakthrough and how joy come. that's, the story is about that verse is about breakthrough and hope, but the definition of breakthrough is an offensive. Everybody say offensive. You know what offense means, right? It means I have the ball. I'm in control. I get to call the plays. Okay. I'm not in the defense. It's an offensive military assault that penetrates and carries beyond the defensive line. I love that. That's a breakthrough. It's an action. So the question is, do we wait for breakthrough to move or is it our movement that actually activates the breakthrough? But that's what light is. It's a breakthrough. It's a breakthrough, the darkness. It's a breakthrough. It's time for us to wake up, arise, get out of bed. There's a light that has broken through your darkness. Put your face in the light. Choose to take action and break through. So what is the glory? I love in, I read the fulfillment of this passage is actually in John chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, capital L, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which was light to every man coming into the world. So we're talking about the person of Jesus, capital L, light, bringing light, small l, to the world, illuminating the darkness of the world. 
He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, they gave gave the right, and we talked about the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And listen, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And listen to this phrase, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. What is the glory? We use this term all the time. We hear this verse saying that the glory of the Lord is upon us. What is the glory? We say, glory, come down. Let your glory fall. What is the glory? I believe we learn what the glory is in Exodus when Moses says, show me your glory. Now, listen, this is an interesting passage because he says, show me your glory. And I'm in Exodus 33. If you want to turn there, otherwise, just listen with your heart and your mind. He says, and he said, meaning Moses to the Lord, please show me your glory. Then he, meaning God said to Moses, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will compassion on whom I will be, who I will have compassion. Verse 22, he says, um, 21, he says, and the Lord said, here is a place, uh, a place by me and you shall stand in the rock. I'm sorry. I'm going to back up to 21. It says, and the Lord said, uh, or 20, he said, you cannot see my face and no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take my hand back and you shall see my back. You will see evidence. Okay. You will see evidence, but my face you shall not see. Listen. The glory of the Lord isn't something that we see. It's something we come to know. And he goes on in chapter 34. It says, um, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long suffering, abounding goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. What is he doing? He's telling him, this is who I am. See, Moses, I think this is probably one of the most intimate requests. Moses had experienced all the works of God. He had seen all the ways of God. We're talking about a man who was a part of the manifestation of all kinds of signs and miracles. Yet there was something in him that said, I want more. I want to see your person. I want to know who you are. I'm familiar with your ways. I'm familiar with your power, but I want to know your person. Who are you? 
And I think this is important when it says the glory of the Lord is upon you, because what he's saying essentially is the person of God is within you. This is more than God just coming and going, coming and going. Oh, I felt the glory today. And I'm not saying that's wrong. What you're feeling is the manifestation of the glory. We call that the anointing. Okay. But the glory of the Lord never leaves you. It is within you. It is the person of God through the Holy Spirit poured into you, top of your head, all the way down to the tips of your toes. For the glory of the Lord is upon you. The person of God, meaning I get to operate in the personality of Jesus all the time. When I feel angry, yes. I get to show compassion to those who don't deserve compassion. I get to be merciful to the merciless. I get to be forgiving. I get to be abounding in love. I've been empowered with the very person of God. The glory of the Lord is upon you. And if we really knew, and I don't think we do, I don't think I do. If we really know, knew the depths of what that meant, ooh, we'd be rising up and we'd be shining Because we would be confident that God is here. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to have just the right amount of worship. That's all great. But if you need that, to have a knowledge that the glory of God is within you, you're missing out. You're missing out. See, sometimes we go into a room and people are feeling it. You know, they're like, are you feeling it? And I'm like, no, sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I don't, but it's okay if I don't, because it doesn't change the, the truth. And the truth is he is here. His full person, it doesn't change it. So we're talking about having tonight, having an understanding that the glory, the very person, when we're talking about our God identity, we know that the Bible says, listen, I could have thrown all the, I say elementary, I could have thrown that we're created in God's image and in his likeness. The image versus the likeness. The image actually means a phantom or an illusion, but the likeness is the person. Okay? So the fact that he says, let's create him in our image, in our likeness, means we're not just, it's not going to just be an illusion that you're created in his image. It means you really are created in his likeness. Meaning he's created you to be like him. To respond like him instead of reacting to your neighbor. And so we're talking, I could have gone all into that and we might tomorrow. But the reality is we are literally glory bearers. That is our identity. Illuminated with knowledge to know, to see the very person and the character and the nature of God in us. That's my God identity. Can you imagine what your love ability is in God? I don't think we've even tapped into it. Can you imagine what your God ability is when it comes to grace, mercy, compassion? I don't think we've even tapped into it. So the completion of this is we have been restored back into the purpose of our creation. When that verse says 
The light has come. His glory is upon you. It means it's done. You've been brought back into your original identity. You've been brought back into the likeness of Christ. You've been brought back into the image of God. It is done. I restored it. I fixed it. All things are well. That's your God identity. And if we really, really, really knew that, if we really, really knew that, then tomorrow's message arising and shining, you're going to show up ready. But tonight, before we have an explosion, we've got to have an implosion. Before we have an explosion, we've got to have an implosion. I want things to implode inside of you. I want the glory not to fall from the sky down, but I want it to implode from inside of you. Inside of you. Because the glory, the very person of God is inside of you. I can't say that enough. It is done. This isn't something that we have to work towards. It's so hard for me to forgive. Really? Something's not right between you and God. That's not a you and my neighbor issue. It is done. You have been restored. His likeness is in you. And tonight I'm praying for an implosion inside. That the glory of the Lord would explode inside. We're not talking about coming down, falling down, being upon us. I'm talking about being oozed, exploding up from inside of us. But Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that there is a why. There is a why, God, that even now we're like, okay, okay, oh, okay, okay. We want to we wanna rise up because we know, we know, God, that the light is upon us. Your glory is within us. God, it is done. It is established. God, and we want, it, we want every barrier to be removed. And God, we want that to explode within us. God, I pray for an excitement so heavy that many of these women won't sleep tonight. That they will be stirred up by their purpose that's already within. The dreams that you once had, I hear the Lord say, are the dreams that I gave to you and the enemy has pushed those dreams back and tonight I am rekindling dreams. So Father, I thank you that you're rekindling dreams. Things that we thought of when we were a child that people poo-pooed and said, that's nice. I hear the Lord say, I'm going to resurrect those dreams. That was me that was speaking to you. It wasn't too big for you. It wasn't too lofty because I am a God who is limitless and I've put my limitlessness in you. All things are possible with God. Father, we thank you that even right now, even right now, God, you're stirring inside of us. Remind us, God, of what it means to have your very likeness inside of us. Your very likeness inside of us. The glory of the Lord is upon me. Your character, your personality, your thoughts, God, we thank you. It is done. So we cease from striving and we just settle into the pocket, your glory pocket that is within us. We just settle within that, Lord. And even as we tap into the grace of your glory, God, peace is coming. Being released even right now. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, blow on those dreams. Rekindle the flames that they would blow and grow big and consume in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 
Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. 